Made Visible is a podcast that gives a voice to people with invisible illnesses. There's no blueprint about how to live with an invisible illness or how to be there for someone who has one. We're here to help people feel less alone as they strive to create a normal life and to create an awareness of how we can be supportive of people who seem fine but aren't. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Made Visible. I'm your host, Harper Spiro, and I'm so happy you tuned in today. Today's episode is brought to you by Ouchie. Ouchie is a free app for iOS and Android that provides solutions for chronic pain management. Today's guest is someone I met in a Facebook group as we connected around having invisible illnesses. Rachel Trobman is the founder of Upside Health, lives with chronic pain, and is here to share her health story and the business she built because of it. Welcome, Rachel. Hi, Harper. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. So happy to have you here. So tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and what you do. My name is Rachel Trobman. I am the CEO and co-founder of Upside Health, where we're reimagining chronic pain care through digital health. I am originally from right outside of Philadelphia, kind of alternated between Center City, Philadelphia, and the suburbs of Philadelphia growing up. And I've lived in New York now for about 15 years. So your first diagnosis was nonspecific colitis. What is that? How did you get that? What were the symptoms? Give us the rundown. Gosh, like I think of like a more traumatizing, upsetting thing to happen than when you're 16 and have to have a colonoscopy. I mean, it's like the least sexy thing anytime in your life, but particularly when you're like 16 and like getting ready for prom and like boyfriends and stuff. So I was probably like my junior, senior year in high school, and I started having like a wide range of very non-concrete stomach issues, whether it was like nausea, constipation, um, vomiting, extreme fatigue. We'll get into this a little bit later, but my mom has lupus. So I've always had like really good medical care growing up and having an advocate who's like, okay, something's not right. And so we went to a pediatric gastroenterologist um, finally after a circuitous route. And I had an endoscopy and a colonoscopy, which, as I said, is like so fun. Also, like back then, like a much more complicated procedure than it is now, like the prep and all of that was just very burdensome. And so they found um, what they declared like nonspecific colitis, meaning I had inflammation in my colon and it was notable. Like it was definitely there, but it wasn't Crohn's and it wasn't ulcerative colitis and it wasn't IBS. It was inflammation in my colon that was not connected to anything that they knew of, but they treated it just like it was ulcerative colitis. And that was the start of my uh, medical journey of being treated for things like something else that are not something else. The colitis uh, resolved itself with treatment. What kind of treatment? Uh, so it's a, it was a pharmacological treatment called uh, Asical. So I took that through my senior year in high school. I had some like fatigue issues, some anxiety issues, like um, panic issues that started towards the end of high school and college and some more fatigue things. But that was just more of like they're doing blood work. Nothing really specific came up. Um, and in the beginning of college, I started having some of these issues again with my stomach to the point that I didn't even realize it. Like I thought I was eating normally and my roommates um, who were like not the kindest people at the time, like accused me of being anorexic, but I was like eating normally. I just was like, I look at pictures now of myself and I was like, oh, I was like really skinny and I was having 
inflammation again. And so I had another colonoscopy and endoscopy. And this time they didn't really see any dramatic inflammation like they had in the past. And so I went to a rheumatologist because I was at NYU at the time up at the hospital for special surgery. And thus began my beautiful relationship with Dr. Michael Lockshan, who was the head of the Barbara Volker Center for Women and Rheumatic Diseases. And he is dedicated to uh, women's health, fertility, really making sure that women with rheumatologic conditions live full, robust lives, however that is for them. He was the first doctor I had seen in New York that, um, and even like even when I was younger, that believed me. He was like, you are, like, I see swollen joints. Now we run blood work and you don't have any like inflammatory factors, but like I see swollen joints. And they ran a lot of tests and I had positive ANA. I didn't have a positive ANA. I had antibodies against my thyroid, but none of them were active. And they developed a diagnosis of nonspecific connective tissue disease. At one point, it was mixed connective tissue disease then it transferred to nonspecific connective tissue disease. And pretty much what it meant was let's treat you for your symptoms instead of any particular disease. And I think that that's why I've always been attracted to symptom management rather than disease progression management, because so many people either have multiple conditions or there's really no great disease management for what people have, um, but living in the moment, managing the symptoms. And Dr. Lakshin really was phenomenal at that. And so he started me on a course of Plaquenil, which is used to treat lupus patients. My mom has been on it since she was in her early 20s. And what's interesting about Plaquenil, I don't know how familiar you are with it, its other name is hydrochloroquinine. And if you speak to most, if not all, lupus patients, they've probably been or are on Plaquenil. Uh, But it's an anti-malaria drug that has been determined to have a positive impact on these patients, and it has kept my flares at bay. So how many years have you been on it? Fifteen. And how do you feel being on it? I have lowered my dose once uh, because I was noticing a lot of stomach and head symptoms. So I'm on a lower dose than like the average person. I'm also a smaller than average person. So while I wouldn't necessarily say that's definite correlation, like I'm definitely more of the size of like a large child than I am like a normal size uh, (laughs) Adult. adult. So I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but I feel more comfortable here and whatever flares I have, they're not worth the symptoms. The one thing about Plaquenil is long term usage can have an impact on your vision. But I've always been told from my rheumatologists that, like, ophthalmologists are more concerned about that than rheumatologists are, meaning that, like, the findings are very slim, but ophthalmologists and optometrists, like, have to let you know about it because if it happens, it's really bad, but the chances of it happening are really small. So most of my medication management for disease progression is pretty basic. Everything else that I'm on, which is anything from, like, steroids allergy medicine for like crazy amount of allergies, asthma medicine, that kind of stuff that kind of fluctuates based on how I'm feeling. But I'm lucky that most of my treatment has been controlled by like one pill. 
Yeah, that's huge. So what are the symptoms that you have? And when we've, you know, gone through scheduling the show, there's been flare-ups where we've had to reschedule, which obviously, as I said to you, when we went back and forth, like, if anyone understands, I get it. What's a flare-up for you? I think that's also what is challenging about the non-specificity of my condition is it's inflammatory in nature. But what particularly is inflamed at any given time is kind of like throwing darts against the wall. And so, yes, like there's the generic fatigue, joint inflammation, and like immobility, but not necessarily to the point of like super visual ballooning, which is standard of RA. Um, Like my joints might feel tight and like a little bit swollen, but if you look at them, it's not going to be like, whoa. I get really bad like Sjogren's type of thing. So dry eyes where my eyes will get like puffy and swollen shut. Just overall malaise, like I just I don't feel great. And then I get really weird inflammation. So like I'll have an inflammation in the lining of my chest, for instance, or um, an inflammation in my SI joint or an inflammation in like my big toe joint. How are those things determined? Uh, Well, sometimes it's like very visual. Like I one time had an inflammation in my ear, like on the outside of my ear. And I was like, what the heck is this? It looked like I had a giant bug bite on the inside of my ear. And I took one picture and sent it to Dr. Lakshan at the time. And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's that. I'm going to send over like a prednisone pack and like get started on it. And then other times you can feel it and you'll have to run through a bajillion tests. And that's like a decision that I have to make every time I feel sick because I know that it's going to take a long time and a lot of imaging, in my case, to find the source. And in most cases, the inflammation will resolve on its own or with steroids. Like, is it worth going through that? But there's always the chance because I don't have a super definitive diagnosis that like my thyroid could become overactive or one of the other like autoimmune things could rise to the top. And so I'm always weighing what it is versus what's not. And the other day I went, so this is a kind of personal, but I love to be open with you. Um, But I was having all of these crazy headaches, unbelievable headaches. And I never had headaches like that. Like I've had bad headaches, but not that last like three weeks straight. And I went down like the medical rabbit hole that started with a CAT scan. And then they found something abnormal on the CAT scan. So they had to do an MRI. And I got a call from the doctor like the next day and was like, I think you need to see an ENT. You have like a rather large lipoma in your parotid gland. What are these things? I've yes. never heard these words before. Exactly. Well, so what it's just like um, a fatty mass, a benign fatty mass, but it's like the size of a large golf ball or bigger sitting right in my salivary gland and all the way in that area. So like the whole space, and obviously this is not a visual medium, it's an auditory medium, but it's like, you know, from below my eye socket down to my jawbone. Whoa, with your little face. With my little face. And I was like, well, that is unexpected. That has nothing to do with like my, but it was one of those things where I was like, well, if I didn't chase it down or like follow my body, I would have never known. Now, there's a question of whether or not that's actually causing any of the symptoms. And so now I'm on this like hunt with some of like the best people. Um, Thankfully, like some guy at Hopkins, because apparently like less than 1% of the population 
who has lipomas has it there. Huh. So now trying to figure out like if that could be cause of some of these symptoms that I've been experiencing for years because these things are like very slow growing or just like one of those things that's going to live in my face until like it shoots out the side of my head. Um, not terribly, like, <laughs> more like visually gross yeah. than like dangerous. Yeah. But I mean, this is a little bit of a tangent, but it's the idea that like when you live with a chronic health condition and you understand your body, at least me personally, I'm more likely to chase after things because there's that big question mark. But then I also still have that like, is this a futile search? Because I've also been down roads where, like, they haven't found anything definitive and then, like, a week later I feel better. And I'm like, was it worth all of that when I could have been spending that time living my life? So That's a tough question. And I wonder if there are things in your life that you find helpful for managing your pain or discomfort or inflammation in tandem with the drugs that you're on. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that like forces me to manage my life is I have two kids. One is five, one is two and a half. So like talk about time management and mental load and like maximizing my brain power and energy spent on managing my pain. Um, Spending time with your kids is like a very great distraction and just being super present uh, which is known to help you and not let your mind race and really focus. Like when you're with kids, you have to be in the present. Like there's absolutely no other option, especially super young kids. So that helps a lot. I also am very into guided meditation. For me, even since I was a young kid, actually, when I was like dealing with anxiety, I've never been somebody who can self-meditate. And I learned that pretty young. How did you determine that? Because when I used to have trouble sleeping when I was a kid, my aunt would play for me um, guided body relaxations. And it was like the only thing that would work. People would tell me like just breathe or like do these things. I would focus too much on my breath in like a not positive way. And so I was like, wait, I don't need to do it the same way that everybody else does. If this works for me, I don't have to. um, I'm not doing it wrong. I'm just doing it differently. Is there a certain person or app or something that you love? So I love Calm. I even use it with my kids, the sleep stories. Um, But also on our product, we have meditations. And the man that we work with who creates them is like absolutely wonderful. And he's just so relaxing, just even his voice itself. And so I rely on our app meditations a lot. So that to me is very key. I'm also a big proponent of heat packs. So the electric heat packs, I used to use the ones that you microwave and freezer and I do still do use them, but I've got an electric heat pack and I use it in my bed every night before I go to sleep. And it does wonders because like I said, like my joints will randomly inflame and I don't know what it is. And I find if I do that at night before I go to sleep, waking up is actually a little bit easier. I'm also a, I've had to learn to forgive myself on this or like accept it, but naps And I find, too, if I wake up, take my kids to school, do a little bit of work right away, and then take, like, a quick hour nap before I take the train into the city, I feel more human. I feel like I'm not going to collapse around 3 p.m., and that makes me feel like a better 
worker. It makes me feel like a better mom. It makes me feel like a better spouse. Like I just feel like normal. It took me a while to allow myself to do that. Like I thought that naps was like something that like kids did or somebody that was like really sick or somebody who was lazy. I don't know, in my head. But I remember my mom napping when I was a kid too. And now I'm like, oh, right. Yeah, I think the big thing with that, and I can totally relate to it, is it's about listening to your body. And if you know that you can get some rest and it's going to revive you and make you feel better for the rest of your day, especially in having kids and running a business, that's a huge thing. So to not judge yourself for that, but actually recognize that it's a positive thing. Yeah. And so that's been a big determinant. And then I think the other thing in terms of like pain and disease management is obviously advocating for yourself. And then I find physical activity is really good for me, whatever it may be. What are those things for you? So my happy place is on a tennis court, but I haven't played in years. But just the idea of me playing sometimes makes me really happy. But I mostly, uh, um, we have a Peloton. Um, sometimes I'll ride, but most of the time I'll do like whatever their small 10 minute, 20 minute exercises are because that's just more obtainable in my lifestyle. So it's not what I want to do, but it's like at least right now what I can do. Right. Absolutely. So you mentioned your app. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about what Upside Health is and what brought you to building this business. Yeah. So I was a news producer for 15 years. Worked uh, mostly on the digital side of things, creating mobile content, uh, digital content, videos, storytelling. I was a reporter. I was in front of this camera. I was behind the camera. And when I got really good at telling stories and building products that people love to use, I decided to turn my attention to something personal. So when I was diagnosed with that disease, I mentioned I found myself at a really unique advantage because my mom had lupus and my brother actually has cystic fibrosis, my stepbrother. So I was very familiar with people who were living with complex chronic conditions and not letting their lives be controlled by them and watching how they navigated the health system, watching how they built and developed relationships with healthcare providers and what were the tools that they had accumulated that could be scaled. And I also, as I mentioned, like I found that symptom management and tools for symptom management were largely underrepresented in the way that medical care was received. Um, you see that a lot, actually, in women, but in pain in particular, which is so complex and so personal. And so I wanted to create something that would serve similar like my mom or my brother had for me in the journey and ensure that no one hurt alone. Um, that would become their companion for pain management. And that's what Ouchie is. Ouchie is a mobile companion for pain management that helps patients and healthcare providers on the pain journey. And what we do is use a variety of evidence-backed tools, everything from cognitive behavioral therapy and contingency management, which is rewards-based, um, tracking, and then social community and then access to content that patients need at the time they most need it. So if you are recording on the app and you're tracking and seeing your successes, but that you're having difficulty sleeping, but you want to be exercising and uh, you live in like a rural environment, we can give you a piece of content like how to exercise when you're feeling tired or here are some sleep stories to help with your fatigue or with your insomnia rather. And that is 
all of that together is not just providing value to the person living with pain, but also to the healthcare provider who is strapped for time, strapped for reimbursement, and under pressure to provide non-opioid-based solutions, but not necessarily handed all of the tools or the budget to effectively do so. And so the people that are on the app, Mm -hmm. is there an ideal user? Is it someone who's at a certain stage in their pain management or just getting a diagnosis or hasn't been diagnosed? What does that look like? Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the decisions that we made consciously when we built the product was for it to be a place that various people on different parts of their journey could all engage and support each other. And it's also not disease specific. So there's a lot of really great uh, platforms out there for people who suffer from RA or people who suffer from depression or people who suffer from Crohn's or a particular type of cancer. Ours is really built around pain support, regardless of the cause. We have people who have recently been diagnosed uh, in their early 20s, women with multiple systemic conditions, Lyme's, fibro, migraines, rheumatoid arthritis, failed back surgery, whatever, all the way through people that have been living with it for a long time and have found tricks to manage it, but maybe those things aren't working anymore. Um, Or they've gone through some sort of life change and are looking for more support and solutions. And those two groups together can provide enormous insight. We have users from all around the globe. It's primarily English speaking right now, but there's no barrier in terms of where you live or what type of care you have access to. I think that's really important because I do think, to your point, there are a lot of apps and websites where you go on and it's like searching for your condition. And in my case, I'm one of 300 diagnosed in the world. So it's like my condition is never going to be on any of these lists. So where do I fit in? So I think it's amazing that you built this where it's the premises around pain management. And I think that's huge. What have been your findings in you know, the different users that are on the app? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that is uh, just like back to your point of like feeling a place to fit in. Some people really identify with their condition and their illness. And so it was important for us to have a place for those people too, because their identity has become so wrapped up in their ICD code. And so I don't want them to feel like they don't see themselves on there and they know that's who they are. At the same time, there's so many people who either don't have a diagnosis, they are struggling to find a diagnosis, or their diagnosis is like super rare that the diagnosis is not nearly as important as how you're living with it. And what we've found is that there are so many similarities amongst our community, regardless of what they were or they weren't diagnosed with. Um, There are so many similar solutions that people have found intentionally or unintentionally to help them live their life with pain. One of my favorite things is it's well documented and well-researched the power of art therapy. And it's something that we often, we even have like activities on the app for do-it-at-home art therapy projects, et cetera. But what we were seeing more and more was that our users were talking about what project they were working on or what their new painting was or what art they were selling or what jewelry, et cetera. And we were like, wow, unnecessarily beknownst to them, thousands and thousands of our users have been turning to art as a hobby, a therapeutic hobby, and has probably saved their lives. 
That's huge. As we discussed before we started recording, we had an episode number 40 with Sophia Saad, who's an art therapist. And I just think it's a fascinating thing to think about how it can be integrated into people's lives and be an outlet and how it can help with, you know, some of these symptoms that people are dealing with. Yeah. And I also think like what the product has taught me a lot too is um, most of the healthcare providers that we work with and the large companies are all interested in data, right? We hear about the term data and there's definitely value in qualitative metrics, right? In, you know, this combination of this medication can not just impact your mood and your pain level, but also improve your sleep. Or if you are a city dweller who relies on public transportation, this type of spinal stim therapy is like the best fit for you or Mm -hmm. whatever, really personalizing medicine. But there's also all of the qualitative that you get from our platform because there is, you know, responding to prompts and there is the way that people socially interact with each other that I think humanizes medicine which is humanizing is different from personalizing. And that humanization and that feeling that Dr. Lakshin gave me all of those years ago, um, that was more than personalized medicine. That was humanized medicine. And I, I hope that amongst all of the other values that our product can provide in terms of revenue generation and cost reduction and therapeutic value, like that is part of that element. Love that. That's so huge. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Ouchie. Ouchie is a free app for iOS and Android that provides solutions for chronic pain management. It was developed by people living with chronic pain and the people who care for them. Even though over 120 million Americans suffer from chronic pain, you would never know it. Like with invisible illnesses, people with chronic pain don't always talk about their experiences because they don't want to be defined by their condition. Ouchie is the place where you don't have to be invisible or hurt alone. The app uses evidence-backed tools like cognitive behavioral therapy, pain tracking, community support, access to resources, and integration with clinicians to help people feel better faster. If you have chronic pain, celebrate the accomplishments in the everyday with Ouchie. Check out ouchie.com and download the Ouchie app to see for yourself. And make sure you share with them that you found the app through Made Visible. And now back to the show. So given that you're running this business while managing your health, what does a typical day look like for you? I mean, my days have never been quite typical. And I think that may be more to do with having two young kids and running a business than it does actually my health. I think that I have to be really conscious about my health as a result, and I'm often terrible at it. And I think that like the impact of me not being careful about my health is probably more dramatic than the average person. But I don't think in terms of my day-to-day, it's impactful unless, of course, like, I mean, I take more medicine probably than the average person. And I like stress out whenever I have to travel for work to make sure I have everything in order. And I'm constantly checking my bags because I have like pill bottles and (laughs) variety of things. Like that's the only thing that's from a point of view of like my health and then the occasional like I don't schedule any meetings at nine o'clock in the morning because it's just too stressful for me to commute into the like unless it's like a phone meeting because the added burden of knowing that like if I absolutely need to take a nap, I can't do it. Or like if my kids are running late, the fact that like I can't be there. And so those types of things I think 
are the only impact of it in that regard. Um, and then I also like I was traveling a lot this winter back and forth, like from San Francisco and Arizona and really just like everywhere for work. And come February, I was like, Phew. and most people when they travel a lot for work have like a travel hangover, right? Those road warriors. But I think that like everyone in my family and everyone was like, well, because you're not caring for your body. And so I think that I just have to be more aware when I'm doing the day-to-day things. In terms of like actual work requirements, the same kind of thing. Like I feel like I'm up really late. I'm never going to be pulling like very rarely pulling all-nighters for the same reason. Like I just my body can't take it, but I've always worked really smart. Yeah, that's an interesting thing thinking about the travel component because it's something that I recently had five flights in like a matter of six weeks mm. and I was supposed to go away and visit a friend. And the night before the flight, I was like, I can't do this. My body is telling me every sign is just going, do not get on this plane that you already checked in for because something's going to come of this. I didn't feel 100% to begin with, and that was just only going to make it worse. So I think it's so key to listen to your body, just like taking naps and really understand what it is you need to do for you and following through with that. Yeah. I, I, so what happened was I did all those travel and then I got the flu, um, even with a flu shot. And it took me a month and a half to recover from the flu with countless trips to like sinus infections and ERs and asthma and like all of these doctors. So like what ended up happening was I ended up spending probably more time away from work dealing with health stuff than I would have um, – If you had taken care of yourself yourself. originally and trying to do it in a way that's not disruptive to the team that I've built to like, I think the other thing that is unique about my position or anyone who's like started their own business is that, yes, I have the flexibility to some degree, but not as much I did when it was just me. Um, And so with success and growth comes a lot of accountability, but I also have a lot of emotional accountability because we've taken on external capital. So I have investors depending on me. I have employees depending on me. I have potential like sales clients who have expectations for what we're doing. And so it's like every decision that I make feels like I should have a clear-headed, important decision. And also like... I mean, I'm not rolling in the money yet for this type of decision. So there's just an incredible amount of pressure to deliver all the time. And like many people in my family think that that's not good for my health. But I also can't imagine living another way. And I feel like that wouldn't be good for me either. Like I thrive off of this. I'm passionate about it and I know I can deliver but I still have to be careful, like anyone does, about the impact of that. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like, you know, balance is a big thing here, which is not an easy thing to do. But navigating being a mother of two small kids, running a business, having health stuff that you need to monitor, and all of that together is huge. But I love what it is that you're doing, and I love how passionate you are clearly in building this business and helping people navigate the chronic pain world and not doing it alone. So where can people learn more about you and Upside Health and download Ouchie? 
Yeah, so um, Upside.Health is our website. Ouchie.com is the Ouchie website, but the app is available for free on the iOS, Android, and tablet stores. We're also adding some new functionality in the coming weeks and months. Um, So we'll be live when this is out, which is pain coaching. So we've taken the whole concept that we've had and the idea that you haven't heard alone, and we're actually pairing you with somebody who can help you reach your goals, whatever they are, um, because we found that so many of our users sometimes feel a little bit astray. And so even that extra hand along their journey can be a really meaningful one. Um, So that is what we're doing at Ouchie, and we'd love for you to join us, and we are very, very grateful for you, Harper, for being such an advocate and a supporter of ours as we've been growing this business because we all do better together. Absolutely true. Well, thank you for chatting with me. All right, thanks so much for having me. Thanks for tuning into Made Visible. We hope you learned about something new today. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a few minutes to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on iTunes. We can't do this without your support. Visit madevisiblepodcast.com. Follow Made Visible Podcast on Instagram. Special thanks to the team who made this possible. Elise Bonebright, the audio editor. Gemma Leghorn, the assistant producer. Dylan Chenfeld for the intro music. And Krista Gray for the logo and design concepts.